Sometimes, and I think today for this, uh, what I feel like God has given me, I feel silly coming to church sometimes because I, I think I'm doing God a favor. Um, and it sounds dumb, and it is dumb. Um, but sometimes I come to church and I'm not necessarily wanting to be here. I'm not necessarily worshiping God because He's worthy, but because there's a song that I'm singing. And, uh, you know, that's, I'm, I'm human, you know, we're all human. And I think that's because we don't see God for what He really is. In Revelations chapter 4, it talks about the throne room that Jesus is sitting on. And John describes him as somebody who looks like a man, but his skin and his flesh are like jasper stone, red, like molten lava, burning. And why is he burning? Because he's an all-consuming fire. When he gets close to us, we can feel that he's testing us. We can feel that he's analyzing our, um, our acts, our thoughts, our intentions, and he's able to get to the, the root of it and say, this is righteous or this is not. And so he's terrifying in that sense. And he's wearing white garments to signify how holy and righteous and unique and pure that he is. Again, separating us from him. But he also takes the form of a man. And why is that? So to signify that he is our family and that he has the capacity to be our friend. And as Hebrews, it says that he went through temptations and can relate to us. The one who sits on the throne has the form of a man. That's an amazing thing to think about. And when he speaks, it sounds like many waters, flashes of lightning proceed from his throne. Thunders terrify those who are around him. And around him, the angelic beings, too wonderful to describe are constantly saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And I come to church and I think I'm doing him a favor because I sing some songs. And that's what I mean by feeling silly. Because he is worthy and he is holy. And when these angelic beings with eyes all over their bodies, not missing anything, with six wings flying, terrifying creatures of themselves, when they lift up the one who sits on the throne, the Bible says that there's 12 elders sitting around this throne. And they get up from their thrones and they fall before the one who sits on the throne and they cast their crowns down. <laughs> and that's what happened to all of us. That's what happened to me. That's how I got saved. I went to church against my will, 17 years old, did not want to be there. And I'm looking around at everybody in the church. I feel sorry for them because they're all worshiping God with all of their heart. I'm looking at each person trying to find someone who's being fake. And I can't find it. Isn't that crazy? I'm sitting, I've never, I've never been in church with... Uh, 
with an intention of going myself. I was brought as a child by my parents. But this is the first time I'm in church as an adult and I'm looking for the fake and I can't find it. I see people with hands raised. There's a person behind me shouting hallelujah, making me very uncomfortable. I see people on my left with smiling faces and I'm like, they're all deceived, but they really believe in this deception. They really do. And so I ask this question. I didn't ask this person or that person. I didn't even say it out loud. I just asked inside my heart, who are they worshiping? And then a voice that I've never heard in my entire life, I hear they're worshiping me. And it destroyed me. It destroyed me. Levi asked me the other, other, uh, other day, he's like, um, Dad, how do you know when, uh, when God's talking to you and it's not just your, vo your, your mind? Well, I said, Levi, I mean, if you're at the grocery store and, and Mommy says, Levi, come here, and then some stranger says, Levi, come here, which one are you going to go to? Mommy's. Why? Because I recognize her voice. Why? Because I spend time with her. And so I told him, if you read the Bible, spend time with God, you'll start to recognize his voice. And when he speaks, you'll say, okay, that's, that's my father. And that's a wonderful thing. And I, I, I have to say, I thank God so much because Levi has gotten this bad habit of reading the Bible for an hour a day. And he's uh, writing like little book reports and telling me about what the Holy Spirit's telling him. <laughs> I can't have a better gift than that. I, th I thank God for that. But that's not what happened to me because I wasn't reading the Bible. But I heard this voice. And I've heard the world's voice my entire life for 17 years. I heard what my voice sounded like. But then I heard this other voice. One I've never heard before. And I started crying, and I, I wanted, that's one of the things I wish that didn't happen to me, but a lot of times when God touches me, I just start crying. And uh, Pastor Terry was making fun of me because I came up here, tried to share a word, and I was crying. He didn't understand anything I said. <laughs> and I, in worship just now, I had to hold back because I've, I felt the, the tears coming. I'm like, I have to preach today, so please just relax. <laughs> But I started crying because of the, the, the two forces that seemed to be opposing each other, pulling me apart. And what I mean by that is that jasper stone, all-consuming flame of God that's just exposing my sin. I, I, I felt like I was alone in that room and the room was dark, just completely dark. And there was a burning fire right there in front of me. And that was the fire speaking to me. And I just felt all of my sin coming up to the surface. Everything that I was saying, oh, that's okay. You know, everybody does that. All of it coming up and just going right in front of the judge, my judge. And how uncomfortable that feeling is. And at the same time, I feel this man next to me with his arms around my shoulder. And he's saying, it's okay. The two things at once. The uncomfortableness of my sin being exposed and the loving touch of my father who says it's okay. How can you not cry when that happens? 
You know, it's, it reminds me of the prodigal son who left in triumph. He had a bag full of gold. He was a strapping young man. And he comes back and he smells like pigs. He's wasted away. He's lost a lot of weight, having almost starved to death. And he has no money. He Money that at one time gave him power and friends and the ability to do whatever he wanted. He came home with nothing. He was needy at that point, poor. And what happens? The father comes running to him. The one who sits on the throne. The one who cradled the stars in the beginning. The one who uses the earth as a footstool got up and comes running to his son. Takes his ring off his finger, puts it on his son, takes his robe, puts it on him and celebrates and treats this needy, selfish, broken person as royalty. And that's how God treats us. How can you not cry when you realize that, that love that he has for us? So I was like one of the elders. I think that Jesus, the Holy Spirit, used the people in this church service that I was in to create this atmosphere of just glorifying God. And I, I got sucked into this atmosphere by the power and gravity of, of lifting Jesus up. If you've, if you've felt God's love before in your life, you know what I'm talking about. This is an amazing thing. There's nothing like it. Uh, God's loving kindness is better than life. It is life. And if you haven't felt it, you need to fight for it. I, what, I'm, what I'm talking about is, you may say to yourself, you know, Jesus came after you. You know, all you did is you went to a church service against your will. What did you do? You didn't fight for it. And I have to agree with you. I, I feel very fortunate, you know. I, I think about Jesus as he's going through the town and there's this massive crowd around him and Zacchaeus is up in a tree and he walks by and he sees Zacchaeus up in a tree and the Holy Spirit says, this is the man that you're going to have dinner with tonight. And he says, Zacchaeus, I need to have dinner with you tonight. Jesus went after that man. And Zacchaeus comes down out of the tree. He, he gets the meal ready. He's hosting Jesus. And I think about Zacchaeus for a moment. He, everybody hates Zacchaeus. Every day of his life, his kinsmen spit at him as he walks by. Don't want to do, have anything to do with him. Why? Because he's a tax gatherer and a corrupt one. He's helping the Roman government. And he's taking more from his kinsmen than he should, and he's getting rich because of it. So everywhere he goes, he's treated like an enemy because he is. But Jesus comes into his home, and he's speaking truth to Zacchaeus. He's telling him exactly what it is. He's not sugarcoating anything. But at the same time, Zacchaeus is feeling the sonship that I felt that day. He's feeling that, that same opposing force of wickedness and my sin and God's forgiveness. And he stands up and he says, I, I've messed up. I'm going to repay everybody I've, I've um, stolen from. I'm going to give to the poor. And Jesus says, this day salvation is coming to your house. So Jesus went after that man. And Jesus didn't let Saul continue down that road that he was on. And he stopped him, made him blind, put him in time out for three days and turned him into Paul. 
And these are stories, and, and I thank God that He does this, that He pursues us. But these are not the only stories that we hear in the Bible. There's many stories of people fighting to get to Jesus. There's that woman with the issue of blood who had to fight through the crowd just to touch his clothes. There was the Canaanite woman who was crying out to God and the disciples were just like, stop talking to us. And Jesus even called her a dog. And she says, yes, but the dog, even the dogs eat from the crumbs that fall from the children's table, showing her faith and how she was still fighting to get to him. What are we doing? What are we doing to fight to get to him? Nicodemus, even though he was sneaking in the night to get to Jesus because he didn't want to be associated with him in public, even he fought in some way to get to him. Peter climbed out of the boat to walk, to walk on the water to get to him. Fighting to get close to Jesus, to get to his feet. Amen. At his word is life. At his word is that love that we need. So we need to fight to get there. I want to read Joshua 1.8. It's one of my favorite verses. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. In Psalms, Psalm chapter 1. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. And he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season. And its leaf does not wither. And in whatever he does, he prospers. I heard a, a very awesome story that I want to share with you about a Vietnamese preacher who was a prisoner of war um, during the Vietnam War. And he became backslidden. And he lost, he, he, he grew weary. And um, stopped pursuing God. So he's a prisoner of war, and uh, he's been given the task to clean the restroom that the commanders at the, this camp are using. And um, it's not what, you know, it's not a clean bathroom. It's not a flushing toilet. It's a, somebody wipes and then they just throw it on the ground and you have to pick it up. And he realized that the paper that was being used as toilet paper uh, the commander was ripping pages out of the Bible and using that. And not only were they just whole pieces of paper, but they were, you know, shreds. So he looks down and he sees something he hasn't seen in a long time, and that's God's Word. And so he picks it up, he cleans it, and he saves it, and he brings it back to his bed, and he starts reading God's Word. And then the next day, he asks those in charge of him, please let me clean the bathrooms again. And he does this for two months. He's picking up shreds of the Bible, 
cleaning them of human feces and then reading them and treasuring them. And the Holy Spirit gives him an idea. And he, this preacher is the, the leader of the prisoners. And they build a boat. They hatch a plan. They escape because God helps them. This is one of millions of millions of stories you will hear in heaven of how a person delighted in the law of the Lord, meditated on it day and night, and then God made them bear fruit. He made their leaves no longer to wither, and then he made them successful and prosperous, whatever they did. <laughs> it makes me it makes me want to pursue God. It makes me feel ashamed of how little I pursue God when I see the trials that other people have to go through just to get to Him. There was one time I was here at church and Pastor Nick had a word for me from God and he, he grabbed this Bible and he called me up to the front and he said, grab this Bible. So I come up and I, I took it from his hand with, with one hand like that. And the gist of the word from God was, today you grab at my word with one hand but tomorrow you'll grab at it with two hands. You'll pursue me with two hands. The next day I wake up and I have this urge to just spend time in God's word. I have this urge and I'm just reading and reading and reading and he just, he just fills me. And I thank, and I thank God for that. After, after my, my, my experience in church, I come to school, in high school, the next day I tell this girl that I know who is a Christian about what happened. She gives me a Bible and she says, hey, you're going to need this. And uh, I start reading it. It's um, like, it becomes like food and I'm reading it for an hour a day. I can't wait to get home from school because I just want to read the Bible. And, um, you know, it's hard for us to fast um, because, you know, it's just hard. It's painful. We grow weak. It's not something that you want to do. But it's not hard for us to fast from the Bible. You know, that's something that we are really good at doing. And I'm talking to myself. Um, but when, what happens when you fast in the, for the body is you grow weak. But if you fast from the God's word, you also grow weak. And um, I have to read uh, Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 and 27. is the importance of God's word and making you holy. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she should be holy and blameless. God wants to prepare each and every one of us to be without wrinkle, to be holy and blameless, and prepare us for when we meet him face to face. And believe me, we want that too. Even though our flesh resists it, we want it too. And the way he does it is through his word. And his word is sharp. But when we spend time away from it, we think it's dull. I remember reading... Uh, the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus talks about, hey, if you say that your brother, if you call your brother a fool or an idiot, you're in, you're in danger of hellfire. Think how sharp that is. Think how, how high that standard is. And then 
I think to myself how often I've called my brother an idiot or a fool or, or stupid. But that's because spending time away from God's word, I minimize it. I reduce it. I make it less important. Jesus in his prayer says, if you want forgiveness, you have to forgive others. Spending time away from God's word, we think, I can hold a grudge. I can not forgive this person. But when we spend time in God's word and we read, if you want to be forgiven, you must forgive, that pricks us. It challenges us. It gives the Holy Spirit room to talk. And so we need to give time for for the Bible and God's word in our lives. Just say one more thing. This is, this is the end of what I have to share today. But Jesus on the boat uh, going across the sea was sleeping and his disciples were panicking. In the garden of Gethsemane, the disciples were sleeping and Jesus was panicking. When we spend time with God in God's word, we get more in tune with his will. Apart from his word, we're opposite. We're sleeping when we should be alert. Or we're panicking when we should be resting, knowing that he's got us covered. The prodigal son's brother did not understand why we were throwing a feast for this prodigal son who came back and squandered the wealth. He didn't even want to go into the feast because he said, I've been with you and you've never given me a party. And the father had to explain to him, yeah, but your brother, he was dead and now he's found. See, his brother didn't get the connection, didn't understand. And so we can come to church and be completely separated from the heart of our father, not in tune with it, not understanding it. And so God, he pursues us, he shows us his love, he uses his word to sanctify us. My, my hope today my hope today is that we'll see Jesus for how important, how wonderful he really is, that we'll worship him with all of our heart. And I hope today that people will be inspired to take the, take the word of God and make it an important big part of their life and to be careful to do the things that are written in it, to study it as if our lives depended on it. And I don't want to say our lives depend on it. I don't want to say that our salvation is at, at stake here. But is God, isn't Jesus not worthy? Isn't Jesus not worthy of that sacrifice? Of giving him our hearts and our times? What, what is that crown that those elders are casting down? What is our crown? It's our lives. It's, it's us. It's who we are. Amen? So if you'll stand with me, I'll pray. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. Heavenly Father, I pray that you, you use me, Father God, today. I pray that your word, Father God, would not return void. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the brave men and women, Father God, who have shown us examples of how to pursue you and to love you and to esteem you properly, Father God. Lord, I pray for each person in this room today that your hand would be upon them, that you would bless them, Father God, that you would fill them, Father God, with a desire for your word. God, I pray that you would expose the sins in their lives and in my life, that you would give us the courage to not keep it a secret, but to be like an open book before you and say, yes, this is what I'm like, 
please forgive me, cleanse me, make me new, make me righteous. And fill us, Father God, with a desire and a hunger for your word. Feed us, feed your children today. Help us, Father God, to have courage this week. When, you, when your spirit, Father God, tells us to do something, give us the courage and the faith to follow through, Lord. Make us soldiers for you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right.